Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. On this episode, we've got a very special mock draft Monday for you. I wrote a brand new mock draft over at PFF.com, a post-combine pre-free agency mock draft with all sorts of great info that myself, my co-host Connor Rogers heard at the combine, as well as what we're hearing might happen in free agency too. Connor's going to have all sorts of questions for me, picks that he loved, picks that he hated, picks that we want to go back and forth on. So a lot of really great discussion in this episode. And just to give you guys a little of something to keep you listening throughout the show, About midway through the show, we got the news that Tom Brady was coming back. So you get my live reaction to Tom Brady coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Connor Rogers. Let's get after it. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Connor Rogers on a free agency mock draft Monday edition of the show. Connor, this is one of our most exciting mock draft Mondays that we do for the entire calendar, man. It just happened to be that I was releasing one of my own mock drafts. So you get to take this time to roast me on some of my picks, basically throw any question you want at me as we run down this mock draft with free agency just hours away. Yeah, dude, you always got a trick up your sleeve, and that is something I appreciate about you. This is impeccable timing. We are going to have some fun today, and if you are just tapping into the show right now, and it might be four hours past the free agency uh, opening bell, it might be 24 hours, don't go anywhere because a lot of today is going to be, yes, Trevor's original picks in this mock draft, but also me throwing scenarios at him of what if this team does this in free agency the trade market or anything like that is there alternate directions they can go so i would call this uh the most fluid mock draft we've done on the show today and it's going to be a lot of fun i think that that's a good way to put it and you know actually for those who have gone to pff to read the mock draft at the beginning the little paragraph at the beginning before you get to the mock which i know no one reads anyways if you happen to read it you would know that this mock draft that i wrote We're trying something a little different, and it's going to be a live free agency mock draft. So when guys sign to certain teams, when big moves happen, when team needs change, I'm going to go in, and I'm literally going to change my mock draft as free agency week evolves. So we're doing the podcast here on a Monday because we wanted to establish the run, if you will, establish the mock draft Monday for uh, this podcast. But this is is going to be an ever-changing thing. Like Connor said, he's going to bring plenty to the table of questions that – teams could be doing in free agency all that kinds of stuff and so uh look i'll just leave it to you i'll I'll leave it right to you where do you want to start with this mock draft we'll talk about all the picks and i'll mention all the picks but where do you want to start with this one right at number one we're not going anywhere i think we're gonna start we're gonna start right at number one with jacksonville you had them taking aiden hutchinson number one overall which uh me sitting here having aiden hutchinson number one overall futures from november I would be ecstatic by that. But I think there's no doubt that for the last two months or so, we've felt Jacksonville is going to look to improve that offensive line. Then the franchise tag comes along, and everybody's kind of spinning around going, okay, maybe they like what they have at left tackle. Maybe they think Aiden Hutchinson's the best overall player. Trevor, this is the first time in a long time I think the number one pick is so unpredictable. And my question for you is, because I've, I have no problem taking Aiden Hutchinson number one overall. He's going to be a really good player. Him and Josh Allen's a fun edge duo. You got to be able to rush the quarterback, especially in the AFC, if you want to go anywhere. There's too many good passers, and that's where it all starts. My question for you, we know Jacksonville is a very uh, tuned-in ownership group to what's going on outside. Will they be afraid of the PR, you know, overall outlook around picking a defensive player when they've screwed up the first 300 plus days of Trevor Lawrence's career there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big question, right? And you and I have talked about this on this podcast that it could be a handful of players here going number one overall. And I have Aiden Hutchinson because that's my guts telling me right now, you know, this is a predictive mock draft. This isn't necessarily what I would do. We're at that point of the year where we're, we're trying to give you guys a, a look into our crystal ball, if you will. We are trying to predict what's going to happen. That's what mocks in March and April really are for, unless they're uh, specified otherwise. And so this is a predictive mock for me. And as of right now, the Cam Robinson franchise tag makes me think that this truly is wide open. Before the franchise tag with Cam Robinson, 
you and I both, I think, have been leaning offensive tackle for the Jags. And so, you know, it made sense if they were going to move on from Cam Robinson, even if they liked what they've seen from Walker Little, which I know is the case. They've got Walker Little. They have Juwan Taylor. You add another offensive lineman. It's it's not like that's a bad investment in any way, shape, or form, especially when it's a guy who could be an Iki Aquanu, an Evan Neal, Charles Cross, something like that. But I think... Hutchinson is edging them out right now. I really do. And people are kind of, I guess, a little disappointed by his combine, which is kind of silly because I Mm. thought that he tested the way that he was going to. Maybe he didn't show up as long with the length as people thought, but the three cone was absolutely out of this world like everybody thought it was going to be. And to get back to your question, I don't, I don't really think they should think about that. As much as I, I know that like Jags fans are are very into their team and they're very vocal on social media and it's one of my favorite fan bases i love jacks fans i really do the the team should just be picking the player that they believe is best and right now i feel like aiden hutchinson has that edge now that might not be the case at all times but that's what i think at the time and i I think i totally agree with that i think it's more of a you know is it's a problem with them i think the fact that they buy into whether it's hype or PR hits or anything like that, maybe it's time to do things differently. But at the same time, the fans of the Jaguars, uh, they are a passionate, loud fan base, and they've been right a lot, and things have gone wrong that they feared. So I would get that as well. And I think they are a team that should spend a lot of money in free agency. So maybe this conversation is easier a couple days into free agency where it's like, okay, they franchise-tagged Cam, they added an interior offensive lineman, and they signed a receiver. Right. And they signed a mid-tier tight end. And then you look at it and go, the offense isn't where it needs to be, but it's taken significant steps from the money they've spent that it leaves the number one pick a little bit more wide open to take who they think is the best player. And in this case, it's Aiden Hutchinson. Then you can look at 33 and go, we'll get a wide receiver then or we'll right. get Right. We'll get a, we'll get one of the offensive linemen that's in tier two or three there. All right, right let's keep right. this thing moving. I don't want to spend the whole day on the number one pick, but that was a good start because Well, hold on. Should I should yeah. I run should I run through just the top ten? I feel like I should. Please. Just yeah, so yeah, I yeah. can run through it and then we could go back. We're not on going it. very far right now either. So you right, well which, which is kind of why I, that I wanted it. Okay, so Aiden Hutchinson obviously went number one overall to the Jaguars. I have Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, going number two to Detroit. Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama, going three to the Houston Texans. Iki Aquanu, uh, the offensive tackle from NC State, going number four to the Jets. I got Jermaine Johnson, the pass rusher from Florida State, going number five to the New York Giants. Charles Cross to the Carolina Panthers, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Trevor Penning, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. He's going seven to the New York Giants. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about that a little bit. Trayvon Walker to the Atlanta Falcons. Kayvon Thibodeau to the now Seattle Seahawks. Welcome to the first-round conversation. Seattle post-Russell Wilson trade. And then for the Jets, I got Sauce Garner at number 10 to kind of round it out there. So from that that, that top 10, let's go back and, and talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah, fun top 10 because I let's go right to number two, okay? And I'm not going to do this, guys. I'm not going to do every pick, so don't worry if you're you're hating my pace right now. What I loved about this was Kyle Hamilton at two to the Lions. This scenario, no one is talking about. No one is talking about the what if Aiden Hutchinson goes number one. And I know people are, are talking about that. They're not talking about what does that do to the following draft pick with the Lions right, at two because right. everything you and I have heard from Indy and for a long time – is that the Lions are taking Aiden Hutchinson at two. But if they're not afforded that opportunity, they've invested a lot of resources into the offensive line. And that that starts with, like, that's not a previous regime thing. Like, this new regime has already done that as well with Sewell. So, for me, Trevor, and I'm going to toss this to you because I'm fascinated by it, I think, one, they try like hell to get out of this pick if this happened, which, not going to be easy. Just going to be honest with you. You're not right. going to get the value that you should. Or they go best player available because they are like Jacksonville, the Lions, the Texans, the Jets, no coincidence, the top four, the Giants at five. Their roster just needs good players. You're not really going to pick apart certain things. For the most part, you need good players. So in this scenario, you and Kyle Hamilton, a little spoiler, is not a a top five player on my big board. I love the player. Uh, He's going to fall right around seven or eight, but he's a really, really good player. And in this scenario, you just throw your hands up and you're going, they get a really good player at a position they need that can contribute right away. How did you get to this conclusion, basically? And, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think if Hutchinson goes, I don't think they take Thibodeau right. in the spot. I think I think it's really down to Hamilton or a trade. Right. I think that 
this is the scenario that I kind of wanted to explore, like you said, if Hutchinson is off the board. Because I think people for a long time have got very comfortable with mock drafts saying, okay, any offensive tackle at number one, and then we'll just we'll pencil in Hutchinson at number two, and we can move on. Almost to say, like, all right, we're not going to piss people off at the top of the draft. But what if it falls like that? And I really do. You know, you look at Vegas odds, and Hutchinson's rising. It may be the favorite in some books to go number one overall. And if that's the case, what do the Lions do? I agree with you. I'm not so convinced that they pick Kayvon Thibodeau, right? I mean, when you look at what Brad Holmes has been saying. I don't think they do, and, by the way. Right. Like, I don't I, think – I think there's like a 5% chance they do. So, I mean, you listen to what Brad Holmes has said. You listen to what um, Dan Campbell has said. Like, they're going to pick super tough – like, they're and, and they say this, super tough, like, high-character dudes, like, players that they believe in, very versatile, all that kinds of stuff. And I'm not saying that Kayvon Thibodeau isn't any of those things. I don't know that the answer to that question myself, but I do know that the NFL has questions on those things for Kayvon Thibodeau, and maybe the Lions are one of those teams that do because – Man, for as much as I, we got on here last week and I said that Kayvon Thibodeau should have been a winner at the Combine, and I still believe that, that doesn't take away the fact that there are clearly NFL teams who question things about Kayvon that is having him fall down the board. And I'm not just I'm just not really convinced that he goes number two overall. I think there's a better chance that Malik Willis would go number two overall than, than Kayvon Thibodeau at I this agree. point, right? Which I don't think is super plausible still. I'm not really there. Like I said, we, we, when we talked about this before, we heard whispers about this at the combine. So all that to get back to Kyle Hamilton, he's an extremely versatile, extremely high character, like unanimous praise for how much teams love the dude. He can play basically any safety spot that you want. He's got unique size and athleticism. Okay, so he didn't test like Derwin James. So what? You've seen what the guy plays like when he's got so the cleats and the helmet. And, but right, and that's, that's the thing. Like, you guys are – it was the same thing with Traylon Burks, right? It's like he was good. He's a good athlete for his size. We've got to let people uh, be able to succeed with their own athleticism within the realm of realistic expectations. We can't just expect to get blown – out of our socks every single year. Sometimes good players are just good players and you can just check the boxes off. I think that Kyle Hamilton certainly did that at the combine. He did not disappoint in any way, shape or form. And honestly, man, all of those things combined makes me feel like the lions like you mentioned just need really good football players. They're going to like the really clean, unique scouting profile that Kyle Hamilton brings to the table. So that's why I got him at two. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I think this is a scenario that has to be on the table with Hutchinson going number one. And I, I think my take with Hamilton is, you know, because you see crazy things this time of year. I think he's closer to Jeremy Chin on the spectrum than like Derwin James, Sean Taylor. But he, if he's a better version of Jeremy Chin, that's an excellent player. So I think that, you know, the context is so important and the fact that they need a legit player in that secondary that can kind of come in and be the face of that secondary while they're also building up the front as well, which they could still do in this draft. You're not, they have an extra first round pick. They have pick 34. There are edge rushers in this draft. So, okay. Number three, I'm not going to stop there, but we'll say that you had Evan Neal at three. I yep. think with all the news buzz around Tunzel, whether they move him or not, I think the Texans are in on the offensive line market as much as they are the mysterious team of the top five. Mm -hmm. No, no problem there. Number four, the jets stop here. Quick. Icky Aquanu. They would run this one in. That's my belief, at least. Right. And this is something right. you and I have talked about for a while. If Aquanu makes it to four, which is truly a 50-50 right now, right? right. That's you, I, you're right, yeah. Nobody knows. I mean, we've seen him at one. We've seen him at three. So I'm, I'm sure the Jets would love it. I, I think the Jets would love it if Aquanu made it to four, and I think they'd run in the card. Uh, so this was a no-brainer for you in that scenario. We will stop at the Giants, and we'll kind of just pair the Giants together right here, right? Okay. So for the Giants, are your picks at five, you had Jermaine Johnson. I love it. At seven, you had Trevor Penning. I hate it. And I know this isn't like you making the picks, like you sitting in Joe Shane's chair and being like, the, the, I have come across this scenario so many times in the last month or two while doing mock drafts or mock scenarios. And there are so many times in my brain that, well, every time in my brain, Neil, Equanu are gone and Cross is gone at six. Mm-hmm. And then the Giants at seven, they took an edge at five, and you're like, well, everybody knows that they want an offensive lineman. And you hear how much the league loves Trevor Penning. Loves Trevor Penning. Right. And man, he's terrifying as a top 10 pick. He's terrifying. He is 
Anchor isn't where it needs to be yet. Yes, he's tough and nasty, but he gets beat in pass pro a decent amount. And I think this is so interesting because I can easily see this pick happening, but I would have a legitimate fear if this was their answer to upgrading the offensive line instantly. Well, at number five, Jermaine Johnson, slam dunk for them. Slam dunk. He'd be a star for them. Him up on that defensive line, uh, defensive line with Leonard Williams and Ojolari. That's a home run. So, Trevor, after all that, I'll ask you this. Do you just take Charles Cross, number five, because you're so afraid of the Panthers at six? Who might not be making that pick anyway, but let's stay right here for now. Right, yeah. So, I mean, look, if 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 Trevor Penning goes number seven overall, that's not a pick that I agree with. I think that he is further away then it seems like his stock is rising to be in NFL circles. You mentioned it. We we really have not heard a lot of negative talk on Trevor Penning. Now, we haven't obviously talked to teams specifically, so I don't know if for sure the Giants are in that camp. But when I was at Joe Shane's podium, their general manager, he continued to talk about three words with offensive lines. Smart, tough, tough. defend, def- they're dependable. Right. And Tough. he can, he continued to mention all of those words and look, every coach wants that, right? Every GM wants that. That's what you want in your, your offensive lineman, but he continued to bring those words up time after time after time, which means I really think that he is going to lean on that a lot. What does everybody talk about with Trevor Penning? Unbelievable nastiness in his tape right? The smart, the tough, the the finishing mentality, that's all there. You can believe in Trevor Penning at that point when you watch his tape and you can, you can fall in love with those adjectives when you are watching what you're watching. Also, Joe Shane mentioned dependable. Okay. For the last three seasons of play with Trevor Penning, he has played in and started in 33 out of 33 games, including Connor going back to 2020s fall season and then if you remember the fcs had a spring shortened season and then he comes back around and immediately plays again in the fall so this dude didn't even get a full off season and he played all it played in and started in all 33 games for his team i think that's going to play a lot into what joe shane sees from this offensive line class especially with the big three, if you will, offensive linemen already off the board. I don't know if Trevor Penning is going to go end up going this high, but I continue to hear a lot of high praise for him. This is probably another spot where maybe the Giants are going to try to trade down a little bit. Shane's probably going to want to get that buffer zone, get some extra picks, be creative in this draft class. But I think he is firmly on their radar. Whether or not they feel comfortable picking him at seven, I wanted to put him on New York Giants fans' radars because I, I really do think after listening to Joe Shane's presser, he is a heavy target for them. And then, of course, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, I think this guy's a lock for the top 10. I think uh, a lot of NFL teams value him there. He's been one of the biggest risers throughout this draft class. And so I think that they're really going to focus on the trenches. And then number five, I mean, I don't even think that's too rich for J- Jermaine Johnson. I think this is no. probably where it starts. Like, I don't think he's going number three or anything. But starts at four. It. Oh, okay. All right. All yeah. right. There's a, there's yeah. a little nugget. It starts, it starts at, four, at four. But I think this is a realistic p- spot for Jermaine Johnson. I think so, too. I think you did a really good job here. I I like that your mock isn't, you're not just fan servicing. Like, you are genuinely presenting scenarios that are very realistic. And I think I presented that wrong, where it almost comes off, I don't think Trevor Penning can be a good player. I think he can be a good player, but he is still in the, he's still in the category of developmental tackle that will have serious road bumps in the first year or two. And that's the case for a lot of guys, except this class is pretty unique where there's a there's a trio at the top that are pretty rare. And the Giants, you know, are obviously in this mold of we need to do right by Daniel Jones. And, and you just want to make sure you get that right. So I, I'm fascinated by their five and seven duo there. And another reason I'm so fascinated by it because that sandwich right in the middle there is the Carolina Panthers at six. You have mm-hmm. taken Charles Cross... I don't know if you and I have done a mock draft, both of us, without making this pick. And I know I've done the evens a lot when we've ping-ponged, and you've had a couple mock drafts already on the show. We always have Charles Cross at six. Good and dandy, an A pick for me. Love Charles Cross. He's tremendous, a gifted pass protector, super athletic run blocker. What does Houston do if they make in this pick? Mm. Because we know the Panthers are in on Deshaun Watson. It's we hear it all the time. As you're listening to this pod today, this trade could be 
freaking done by now. Right. What does Houston do if they are picking at six after they just took an offensive tackle at three? Uh, I think they're taking. I think they're taking either Trayvon Walker or Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't know I what Houston thinks of Kayvon Thibodeau, but I think it's going to be one of those two guys. I think Trayvon Walker is essentially a lock for the top ten at this point, from the unanimous praise that we have heard of him, from how much he has risen since the end of the season, and obviously during the season as well, with how he how well he played with Georgia. I think the top ten to draft Trayvon Walker's profile as it stands right now in the top ten would let's just say not go along the lines of what we've seen in draft class of the past, because this guy is uniquely gifted when it comes to a size speed and power combo. He really is being able to run a four five, one forty yard dash at 272 pounds, six foot five, 35 and a half inch arms. It's never happened before at the combine. And so I think that's why you're going to see a lot of teams get very wide-eyed about Trayvon Walker, but he doesn't have the pass rush ability right now. He doesn't have the Nailed pass it. rush plan. He doesn't have the pass rush moves. Now, that's not to say that he can't learn that. I was able to sit down with him not too long ago and talk about that exact thing, and he talked about the guys that he's watching and how he's trying to develop his plan. He said, I'm always going to be a speed-to-power kind of a guy, and I've got to work my moves off of that. I've got to work my counters off of that. So he gets it, but he hasn't put it on film yet, and some of that has to do with the deep talent rotation at Georgia. But all that to say, I think that he is in play for the top 10 Shoot, man, we've even seen mock drafts where he goes three overall. So I wonder if he's even going to be on Houston's board to maybe go as high as number three. Certainly if they have picks number three and number six, I think Trayvon Walker could very easily be one of those selections. But it kind of depends, right? Because Lovey Smith's the head coach right now. Lovey Smith traditionally runs that 4-3 kind of Tampa 2 defense. And Trayvon Walker, where obviously he could be good as a base five end or a base five-tech defensive end, I feel like Trayvon Walker would have been more for a pick for Houston of old, if you will, that three, four, that those long, strong defensive linemen that you might want, like on the interior playing in a lot of different alignments. I don't want to say it's cookie cutter with, Le- with uh, Lovey Smith, but like it's pretty regimented roles with him. At least uh, that's kind of the way the structure is up front as a base. And I think that if, if they're going to stick with more of a four, three, then I think Kayvon Thibodeau makes more sense for you, but are they going to be in on Kayvon Thibodeau? Who knows? Ultimately, I think this is an edge rusher to answer your question at number six. If Houston is picking where Carolina is, if they send Deshaun Watson out that way. I think so, too. I think it's a combination of capitalizing on where the draft class is strong at the top, while also remaking your trenches that are just not where they need to be right now. They're not even close. So I think it's a good balance there. And that's a really good transition. You talked about Trayvon a lot. Number eight is the Atlanta Falcons, and that's where you had him going off the board. So I know you made this pick because reality is Trayvon Walker is going to be a top 10 pick. As I look at my big board right now, he is my 22nd ranked player. Mm. Um, My problem with Trayvon as a top 10 pick, Trevor, is that can you draft a guy in the top 10 that does not know how to rush the passer yet, right? That's, That's my question where I know he's loaded up with traits he's a great tester he's got size he's got length he's got great work ethic he is an excellent run defender right and really whatever scenario you put him in if you kick him out to five tech he could set a strong edge if you kick him into three four i he's just a very strong player and can contain so well could even actually get into the backfield and blow up plays and Mm -hmm. control everything with his length He has no pass rush plan right now. And there is nothing more that coaches love than looking at a guy that is just built in a lab, tests like he's built in a lab, and they go, that guy's a good player right now. Because Trayvon Walker is a high-floor player because he is such a good run defender loaded up with traits. But in the top 10, you are also trying to draft ceiling. Coaches love to look at that guy and go, he's a good starter right now. I'm going to make him a superstar. For me... In this class, that's loaded with pass rush talent, that's not a guy I'm taking in the top eight because that's a really scary scenario. But we are at the point where it doesn't matter what I think, it's happening. Right, and I, I would I would say that the league would push back on that thinking a little bit because you said in this class with this many good edge rushers, you wouldn't pick him this high. I think the NFL would push back a little bit on you and say, in this class, overall, 
I'm going to pick that guy because he's so uniquely gifted. That's fair. And, yep. and you, and I mean, you are right. Every, every coach in the NFL probably love says to themselves, it. I can make this guy into a pro bowler. And that's, that's where we are with Trayvon Walker. So I agree with you, man. I think that when we went through our defensive line, our edge rushing episode, I didn't even have Trayvon in my top five. I think I had him right out either six or seven. I called him a early second round pick and a fantastic early second round pick to get. But the reality is that that's just not happening. We're not going to get anywhere close to this. I think this dude's a lock for the top 10 or top 12, probably at the very latest. Yeah, I think so too. And, and we know Atlanta's in the pass rush market. So yes, yes. that's definitely a landing spot on the board. Okay, at nine, you had Seattle taking Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can easily see that one happening. <laughs> right. We won't stop there. At 10, we will briefly stop before we move on to 11 through 20. Uh, the Jets at 10, you have them taking Sauce Gardner. The value adds up. The need adds up. My question, and I think this is going to be the question for the Jets if they're presented with this scenario Sauce Gardner at 10, assuming mm-hmm. they don't pay like a Carlton Davis or whatever it is, or the wide receiver of wow, their choice. Wow, you just had to say Carlton Davis, didn't you? Of all the, yeah, of all the corners, you just had to say Carlton yeah, Davis, didn't you? It's, it's kind of screwed up. It's kind of screwed up. I mean, Tom Brady's coming back. You'll be fine. All yeah, right. of course. So, yeah, he's coming back. He's coming back. <laughs> I saw the Ronaldo video. He was like, maybe. Uh, so, And honestly, I want to throw this to you. Would you take Sauce's... I saw this is a top five player, I think, for me. He's, mm-hmm. he's an excellent corner prospect. The Jets need a player like that. They also need to get Zach Wilson help. The wide receiver market in free agency does not have a top dog. And, and I, I can make the case because they're all in my top 20. Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London. Any of the four. The Jets were abysmal in contested catch situations last year, which is right. why you might be in the Burks-London combo. But they don't have the long speed that Jamison has. And then Garrett Wilson's just a really good player. Mm-hmm. You obviously gave them sauce, but when after I say that to you, how would you how would you make that decision? Yeah, I mean this was this was close for me. I'll, I'll let you know that I was debating giving sauce to the Giants at seven. So I was debating him maybe not being on the board even for the Jets to pick this. But I think what ultimately swayed me in the way of sauce garner is a conversation that you and i have had already a couple of times here on this podcast and that is there will always be wide receivers to pick not even just in this draft and i'm not even just talking about like later on day two for the jets i mean every year you're gonna have the chance to pick a really good wide receiver i think the way that i've put it before is that Once out of every three years, you will have the chance some way, shape, or form, whether it's in free agency or in the draft, to pick a home run wide receiver one. That's just the world we live in. Yeah, That is is that once every two to three years, you will have that chance, whether you even want it or not, whether teams take it or not, it will be available to them. And so when I flip that and I say, how often are you going to get a potential CB1 shutdown, lockdown, man coverage corner? It ain't that often. And so I think that's what ultimately sways me in that direction is that even though I believe that winning the arms race in the NFL, if you will, is very important. Getting three, four wide receivers that can all play at a really high level is where you need to be in today's NFL to compete on the scoreboard, light it up the way that you need to. On the flip side of things, you being able to go out and get corners that can erase some of those really great wide receivers, I think is really important. And so just for the sheer aspect of looking at how the football world is right now. It is still more difficult to get a player of Sauce Garner's caliber that could reach his ceiling at corner than it is to pick one of these wide receivers who you and I both really like. All those guys you mentioned, we really like them. You will have the opportunity to get players like that, I feel like, in every class. Now, I say that and watch Traylon Burks go out and be the greatest unique player in the NFL or something like that. I I don't mean to take away from it, but I think in the game of the draft and player acquisition, you still got to lean top tier corner, especially in this class with this scenario. I think it's a great argument. It's the old argument of the fact that only, you know, good, a couple of good corners come around each year at most. And we've been kind of spoiled lately. I think a lot of people don't realize that we had, you know, Horn and Sertan last year, and even for his injuries, Caleb Farley was really talented. And then, obviously, this year you have someone like Sauce. Even with his injuries, Derek Stingley is really, really talented. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're spoiled in that sense. 
the last three years, we can name 10 wide receivers from each class that you feel great about. So I, right. I think that argument holds a lot of weight, especially if you're a New York Jets team that is picking twice more after this in the top 40. Correct. Might be a wide receiver there. So I, I like that argument. It's a really interesting one. All right, let's move on. You want me to rattle through these? You want to rattle through these picks here, 11 through 20? I will, but first I got to talk to people about a promo code because if they don't Hello. have a premium subscription at PFF, it's... There's never, been a, there's never been there's never been a better time because right now you can get 25% off any subscription at PFF if you use the promo code NFLSE so you can support the podcast as well. You get all the premium article content. You get the draft guide. You get the fantasy football guide. You get all the in-season betting tools, everything. man. Go check it out. See which subscription model works best for you. And if you don't have it, like I said, use the promo code NFLSE. You will get 25% off. Also, our friends over at All22, they're creating a brand new game that's using PFF grades to essentially it's 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 a fantasy football. I try to explain this as best I can. It's like a Madden franchise meets fantasy football. And Pretty gnarly. All22 uses weekly PFF grades as one of its main scoring components. So you're not just basing how your team performs every week off of stats. Like it's true performance. You were trying to build the best team. And the best part is all 22 is consistently working on this game to make it better and better and better. Every time you use it, join the wait list right now, all dash 22.com. Put your email in. And if you join the wait list before the NFL draft, you will receive a special promo code with the all 22 subscription wait list. Users even gain access to premium content like inaugural draft guide in-season draft strategies feature announcements and all all that uh be sure to follow all 22 at all 22 underscore pff on twitter it's such a cool concept it's such a cool game i can't wait for you guys to play it less fantasy more actual football so yeah connor we'll 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 run through we'll do the same thing we'll run through 11 through 20 and then you can ask a couple of questions about that 11 for the Washington Commanders, I had them taking Drake London, the wide receiver from USC. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, I had them taking David Ojabo. Cleveland Browns, Garrett Wilson. Baltimore Ravens, Devontae Wyatt. Philadelphia Eagles, oh, this starts a run on like my favorite Eagles haul I've ever had. Uh, Eagles, Derek Stingley at 15. Traylon Burks at 16. Then the Chargers took Jordan Davis. New Orleans Saints take Jamison Williams. And then the Eagles again got George Karloftis at 19. So Eagles fans, Derek Stingley, Traylon Burks, George Karloftis, hello. And then at number 20 to round it out, I got Malik Willis going as the first quarterback off the board to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are we talking about, Connor? Man, 11 through 20, when I was going through this mock draft, when you sent it to me to start the weekend, I was like, this is going to be a little tough to like kind of poke and prod at a little bit. A lot of this just it just makes so much sense, and I think so much of it can really happen on draft night. Obviously, the commanders with Carson Wentz, I think, are looking at wide receiver right now because you, you obviously have Terry there, but you get somebody across from him. You're going to try to make that situation as best as possible for Carson Wentz, and at 11, you have a good chance of having your entire pick like the Jets did at 10, where it's like, okay, whatever guy we want, we're in the sweet spot to get him. So we'll move to 12 with the Vikings, David Ajabo. Okay. This, to me, is one of those chain link effects. Kind of makes you wonder, is the Neil Hunter going to get traded, right? And I think we're going to learn a lot about the Vikings in the next month or two because they are a team that I truly can't figure out. And it's not pressing because they're a new regime. They're going to have time. Trevor, I can't figure out if they are trying to rebuild or trying to run it back with the previous regime did or because you have to choose eventually right and i like that they're, they're holding their cards close you don't need to tell anyone what you're doing right now but with daniel hunter he's gonna turn 28 this season he makes a lot of money he's only played i think seven games in the last two seasons mm -hmm. but he's such a good player at a premium spot that he's worth a lot right now still or worth enough that it matters if you are trying to actually rebuild, like you know Kirk's not going to be back after next year because the contract's going to expire and you you want a more quarterback-friendly contract on your roster, by the time you're good again and Aaron Rodgers is back, which probably helps this decision, Daniel Hunter's probably going to be going on the trend downward, not upward anymore. So I look at this and go, you, you did it at 12 with David Jabo. You're in position to get your edge of the next 8 to 10 years right? And you're also in a position where you can actually get something for Daniil Hunter right now. I know a lot of Vikings fans probably won't love this, mm -hmm. but you have to choose a side. And if that side actually is rebuilding in the, for the next two years, Daniil Hunter should be moved now. I, I don't disagree with you. Certainly, if you are 
if you are turning the page, basically do what the Chicago Bears are doing, right? I mean, like, move on from Hicks, move on from Goldman, move on from Khalil Mack, like, get something for them, like, let the cap free up and really hit your next winning window hard with draft picks, with salary, cap capital, everything, because they've got Justin Fields in his rookie contract, and so that's kind of what you do there. Minnesota isn't exactly in that situation because they have Kirk Cousins for another year taking up a huge chunk of their cap but you're right they might be doing similar things over the next over the course of the next year and so I made this pick with David Ojabo not thinking that Daniel Hunter was going to be gone because I, I I'd be so hesitant to give up on Daniel Hunter man unless you really know like the medicals are going to stick with this guy and he's not going to be in the NFL long and he's not going to be able to be dependable for you Obviously, maybe you move on at that point, but if there's really anywhere near a decent chance that Daniel Hunter is going to continue to be fully healthy, like you mentioned, he's 27, man. I mean, like this is a free pass rusher. And so you got to have those guys on your team if you want to have success. I think Ojabo is going to be on their radar. And this was this was kind of my reasoning for the pick. When I look at Kwesi Adafo Mensa, their new general manager. He is a data-driven guy. Now, when I say that, I, you you mentioned this, and you put it beautifully when we talked about the, the GM additions. That doesn't mean he's not a football guy. So I don't want people to sit here and say, oh, he's all into data. He doesn't know the real football side of things. No, no, no. He even said himself he had experience. You know, we, when he was with the Browns, doing more football stuff than analytics stuff, and that really helped round out his perspective. So even with that being the case, I still think he's going to make data-driven decisions. And with that in mind, I have a hard time believing that his first premium draft pick that he is going to spend is going to be on a player with limitations one way or the other. Because I think when you look at the needs of the Vikings, I think a lot of people would tell you cornerback is probably the bigger need, if you will. But with Sauce Garner off the board, who are the other corners that you might look at at 12? I think it probably comes down to two guys, either Derek Stingley or Trent McDuffie, okay? Too much risk both ways. Trent McDuffie, as much as I truly love the dude as a prospect, and I think he's going to be a really damn good pro, he came in a little bit he's, – he's a little bit smaller of a corner. He wasn't as fast as a lot of people thought. You know, he's got the short arms. Can you play him on the outside full-time even? He has those question marks to him. And then with Derek Stingley, you and I have talked about it plenty now, he's got the Liz Frank injury. You know, it, it derailed his last year when he was at LSU. He tried to get over it. Then he had his surgery. Liz Frank injuries can really linger with you. Is he going to spend his first premium pick on a player who might not be available for him? I don't think so. I think it's more plausible that he'd take the chance on a guy like David Ojabo, who has a very high pass rush potential, who is still rounding out his game as a run defender and needs to be a little bit more disciplined in that regard. I think that's the player I would see this Vikings front office target more than the other corners that would be available. So that is my thought process, even beyond Daniel Hunter, for why I had the Vikings taking David Ojabo. Yeah, and I'll clarify too for Vikings fans that think I'm insane. Like, I would not trade Daniel Hunter in like the, the Amari Cooper fashion. I want a future first round pick back for him and really commit to the rebuild. If that offer is not there because he hasn't played a lot in the last two years, then you run it back with him. You have him under contract. If he has a monster year that Daniel Hunter we all know and love, then maybe you do get that first rounder or you keep him and pair him with somebody like a Jabo. So it's just a different scenario when looking at this draft pick. All right, moving to 13, the very next pick, we will stop right there. Garrett Wilson, I just wanted to to give a take here. Even with the Amari Cooper trade, this pick makes sense, right? It makes sense in a, you gotta know what you have in Baker. And and you can play, like, I'm very, like, Baker neutral. I think there's this majority that is like, Baker sucks. And then there's a very small group of people that's like, No, Baker's still really good. I'm right in the middle where I'm like, Baker was hurt last year and played through it, and that brought out a bad version of him. Baker has not shown that he is your pay him top 10 money franchise quarterback of the future. I'm right in the middle. We got to see it this year. Mm -hmm. If you got to see it, we know the offensive line's really good. We know they can run the football. We know that they have a tight end. You got to give them wide receivers. You started that with Amari Cooper. It's not going to be enough. You can't just have Amari Cooper out there and... And even if you kept Jarvis Landry, that's not enough either. So Garrett Wilson, who I think is the biggest high floor wide receiver, and they know they're they're a team that'll look to draft athletes, and and he tested really well. This one really adds up and gives you the true identity, you know, of finding out if Baker is the dude or if you got to move on and uh, at the quarterback position. 
I agree completely. And that was my logic with this pick here with Garrett Wilson at 13 to the Cleveland Browns. No player is a sure thing, but I think that Garrett Wilson has a pretty high floor and a high percentage for him to be able to step into the league and contribute in his first season. And when you put him on the field with Donovan Peoples-Jones, now Amari Cooper and all the tight ends that they have, the running back room, the offensive line in front of Baker. I mean, you can't sit here and tell me that that's not enough, right? Because the whole idea was that you didn't want a scenario to come up where Baker's rookie contract was done and you had an excuse or he had an excuse to say, you, I did not have enough. Even if you look at this situation with the Browns and you would say, okay, Amari's maybe not as good as he was before. I mean, he's not terrible, but maybe he's not the Amari that a lot of people still think that he is. He's good, maybe not great. And even if you go, okay, Garrett Wilson's a rookie, that's enough. That Like, that has to be enough. You are going to have years in the NFL. If you are a... If you are a quarterback that that has the, the talent to have a long career in the NFL, you're going to have years exactly like this, if not worse, that you are going to be expected, especially if you're a franchise quarterback, to overcome, to elevate. So if the Browns were to do this and draft Garrett Wilson at 13, yes, that's enough. Could more be done? Of course it could. You would always want to continue your investments to get the offense better and better. But that alleviates you, I think from at least in theory you know health goes into it and all that thing but in theory this alleviates you from going to the negotiation table a year from now and saying you know we we really didn't do right by baker like what the giants are doing now with daniel jones where they're like hey you know we just we haven't really done right by daniel jones if you draft garrett wilson you traded for amari cooper and if whether or not jarvis landry's on the team you have done enough in my opinion to see whether or not he could be an actual franchise quarterback for you, especially if we're getting a healthy Baker Mayfield next year. So that was my take on that. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I think the only debate at the spot is who, right? You got Amari Cooper, yeah. a technician, a true separator. That's who Garrett Wilson is as well. Do you think there could be any intrigue from the Browns to look at Jamison Williams and really get that vertical threat keep the defense back a little bit because of how run heavy they are. That's what's going to be fascinating to me is, you know, are they like, we don't care about the ACL, which we don't think teams really will. We want the true vertical threat. I don't really think there's a receiver that would be the wrong pick in this spot out of those top four. I said, yeah, no, I, I, obviously I love Drake London. He's my wide receiver one, but like gone for Cleveland I probably would rather have a little bit more of a yards after the catch type of receiver. So a Burks, uh, Williams, a, a Garrett Wilson is something like that to go along with the group that they have now. But obviously if they were to pick Drake London, I, <laughs> it's not a bad pick in any way, shape or form. He could be a third down monster that uh, Baker could just chuck it up to and make things happen. All right. 14, you had Devonte Wyatt to the Ravens 15. We talked about the Eagles, Stingley and Burks. Uh, and I think Burks is the kind of wide receiver they need. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think if they had the first pick of the wide receivers, I still think Burks or London are the kind of wide receivers they need to pair with Devontae Smith and help out Jalen Hurts uh, above the rim kind of target. 17, the Chargers, Jordan Davis. We've talked about that fit a lot. 18, the Saints, Jamison Williams. 19, the Eagles come back with Carl Loftus. I want to stop at this point of the draft because I find this part so interesting. This is the point of the draft when I was making a big board where I was like, Man, you start to get a little bit of a talent drop-off. Besides the fact that McDuffie and Linderbaum, and even, you know, for me, Devin Lloyd and Lewis Seen, at this point in the draft, you get a little bit of a cliff. So if you're one of those fan bases that every time you're like, trade out, trade out, trade out, be careful what you wish for. I'll leave it, you this, with that. It could be the Wild Wild West from from 20 on, I would say. From from pick 20 oh, on. Completely. It, like, anybody could get, any name could come out of Roger Goodell's mouth, and I'd be like, Yep. All right. <laughs> like, yeah. Not surprised. Yeah. Right. All right. So before we move on to the final third of the mock draft, I do want to stop at pick twenty with the Steelers, Malik mm-hmm. Willis, and I, I know you agree with me on this take, but this is just the way the board fell. They're going to have to move to get him in this spot. I think I would be very surprised if Malik Willis was sitting there at twenty. Good for Pittsburgh if that's the case. Uh, we we know how much they are interested in him. I'm fascinated what the sweet spot is really going to be. I. I 
I don't know if Seattle's going to look to restart with a rookie quarterback with Pete's age. Maybe they will. Mm-hmm. I think the Jets are going to be open to moving at 10. Maybe Washington's open to moving at 11. Right. But who are you jumping there is the question, right? So I just wonder, you know, if the Panthers get Watson, maybe Malik Willis does fall a little bit. I'm just trying to find a home for him here. The Saints at 18, that's not far. So while I think the Steelers got to move up, maybe we've drastically overrated how far that actually is. The most difficult part about mock drafts is not predicting good picks for teams. It's predicting the inevitable bad picks or picks that I wouldn't even say bad picks, just the picks that shock us the most. Mm -hmm. That is the most difficult part because I I can, when I write a mock draft, I write it logically. Like, like, of course I'm trying to put myself in the seat of the general managers and, and, and listen to the hints and look at the roster and things like that and, and truly come down to, okay, who do I think they would pick? And for example, like the Trayvon Walker selection, like the Trevor Penning selection, those may be a little bit rich for my blood, but I still see them happening. I don't know how Malik Willis is going. I mean, we we t- we talked about him going number two overall, right? Now and now I have him going twenty. This is the where the first quarterback goes off the board is the most difficult part of a twenty twenty two mock draft, one hundred percent. Because I totally agree with you. If the Steelers want him, they're probably going to have to trade up. I didn't want to do trades in this mock Trevor. draft because I was going to be changing it a lot because it's a live mock draft that we're doing free agency. So Trevor, what? Tom Brady just came back. What? Tom Brady just came back. Oh my God. I told you. I told you he wasn't done. I told you he wasn't done, baby. That's how he started the show. I had to read this 45 times while you were ranting to make sure it wasn't like fake Tom Brady that I'm reading this right. (laughs) Oh my God. So oh my gosh you knew he wasn't done you knew that he, dude, wasn't he told done. ronaldo he's, he wasn't and it was they posted it so to his account have asked him so many people have asked him are you done are you done are you done the man's and had he's enough. never said no and he's never said no he's never said no I, oh my did he just need to be home like with the wife and kids for a month to reach this conclusion like, did he reach the point where it was a pot of coffee every morning and he's he just lasted, staring at the ceiling? He lasted a month and a half. <laughs> Yo. He lasted a month he's and a like, half. He's like, nah, I got to get to OTAs. Oh, I had, my. I had enough go, of this. Let's go, baby. I'm buying, a, I'm buying a Cristiano Ronaldo jersey. I, I have this. not celebrated a lot of Tom Brady things in my life uh, growing up in New York, but as a Tom Brady dynasty league owner this just saved me a ton of trouble a ton of trouble and honestly you a ton of but this is this is right as free agency starts like if you're the bucks right now you're like how do we make the money work for ryan jensen how do we make the money work for? oh my gosh tom brady's gonna play for free dude (laughs) he's gonna play for free you know tom brady's on the phone with ali marpet right now He's on the phone with Ali Marpet this second. Get your ass out of retirement. We got one more run, baby. So he's got, yeah, he's got a $20 million cap hit this year. All right. I mean, people listening to this are probably just like, because obviously Trevor and I record Sunday evenings. And now you know the exact time if you read the tweet. Um, I don't, I'm like, I'm scrambled eggs right now. I don't even know how to function. Oh my God! Well, speaking of Tom Brady, the Patriots are over twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh my God! You want to read the picks? Sure. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will. I will read. I will read the picks here. Okay, yeah. 20, 21 through thirty-two. Let's finish this bad boy up. Uh, New England Patriots: Chris Olave, Las Vegas Raiders: Kenyon Green, Arizona Cardinals: Zion Johnson, Dallas Cowboys: Bernard Raymond, uh, Buffalo Bills: Trent McDuffie, Tennessee Titans: Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle from Tulsa. For those of you who don't know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers: Tyler Linderbaum, now snapping for the goat himself, Tom Brady, confirmed. Green Bay Packers go with Devin Lloyd. Uh, Miami Dolphins: Brees Hall, Kansas City Chiefs: Lewis Seen. Cincinnati Bengals, Kyer Elam, and then Detroit Lions at number 32. They go with N'Kobe Dean to round out this first round mock. 
where we start. Tom Brady, great. Yeah, I think he's. I think the Bucks are immediate favorite. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Where, what uh, what spot do you want to uh, start with here? With all right, now that I've come back to reality, 21. The Patriots. Let's start right there. Chris Olave is such a Patriots player. I've just thought about this pick for months at this point. Where. He's played special teams, the mentality. He fits what they need at wide receiver. He can win deep. He knows how to get open. Uh, he's great at tracking everything. He's a really smart guy. He's. I, I know the Patriots obviously are a team that this is a skill set they need, but just everything about his identity fits this mold. And at 21, this is probably going to be their best option. I, I, guys fall all the time, but at 21, I don't think Jamison Williams is going to be there. I don't think Garrett Wilson's gonna, Garrett Wilson's going to be there. From everything I'm starting here, I don't think Drake London's going to be there. Traylon no. Burks, I know the combine he was sh- disappointing. He be. So maybe Traylon, maybe. But this is probably the guy that's going to be the best available and fits exactly what they love in players. So when you had this one, I'm like, yep. I- I'm almost at the point where like, we'll keep the whiteout on the desk, but write that one in ink. So, I mean, yeah, I I think that this 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 has to be the pick for them there and. You know, Chris Olave with the Patriots, I mean, we've we've heard rumblings of, you know, like Nikhil Harry kind of wants out. They don't really have an option there. I mean, Mac Jones needs somebody that's a little bit more reliable. Even for Mac Jones standards, he needs to stretch the field. They need to keep defenses honest. Like, all of this stuff needs to happen. And so, like, Olave going at this point, man, I look, I thought Olave was a – I thought Olave was a, a first-round potential wide receiver last year. And so I think the same thing this year. I really do. I know people, uh, I know Ohio State fans uh, in particular, really got on me when I had Olave as six in my rankings. You had him 5B, by the way. Yeah, I just got to point that remember. out. I got to point that out. So Was it we 5A were... or B? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> so, look, I think you're a mad when it's like, how is he not in your top five? Well, I think more than five receivers should go in the first round. Do you want me to call him a first-round wide receiver? I got no problem with that. I think that that pick definitely made sense there with, with I'll teach you the tricks of how to not get roasted in the comments, my friend. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Always find a way. Okay, so Kenyon Green to the Raiders, Zion Johnson to the Cardinals. 24, the Cowboys. You have Bernard Raymond. And we know Dallas is probably going to be looking offensive line, especially early with this pick. While we were recording this, Michael Gallup got a pretty juicy extension, five years, $62.5 million. And they obviously traded Amari Cooper, more of a salary dump. I have a question that is so broad what is Dallas doing right now and I I don't mean that as like a dunk on Dallas I don't mean that on a it just feels like one foot in one foot out and I think it all comes back to the Zeke contract hamstringing them in certain areas a little bit I know they didn't want to lose Dalton Schultz so they went the franchise tag route I know that they probably internally felt like Amari was overpaid and that money was easy to move obviously Mm -hmm. they obviously like Michael Gallup I think my problem with Dallas is you're picking at the in the spot where the talent in this draft starts to fall off. You've run into a salary crunch at multiple areas. And while you probably are still the most talented team in the division, what are you going to do to be better than the Rams? What are you going to be going to do to be better than the Packers? What are you going to do to be better than the 49ers? And I and I'm usually the guy that hates asking those questions without having the answers. That's usually a kind of a thing that I, I find particularly annoying. But right now I look at Dallas and go, it's they're in a brutal spot right now. And this pick kind of set off that green light of how much better does Bernard Raymond make them, especially if you move on from Lyle Collins. It just feels like yes, they are still top dog in the division, but they cannot get over this hump to be the kings of the NFC. You know, when I look at the Cowboys situation, uh, unfortunately, I think the the contracts that they have signed over the last, I don't know, four or five-ish years have kind of like come back to haunt them in certain ways. I don't think they've been the best at extensions, (laughs) Ezekiel Elliott. And so that's why you're seeing some of these guys kind of have a little bit of exodus from Dallas. But I mean, to answer your question and, and with Bernard Raymond, what you are hoping is that you you're just hoping that your status quo. Now it's it's not that you hope that your status quo not getting to the Super Bowl. That's not what I sure, mean. Sure, sure. When you have the caliber of team that Dallas even does, you give yourself a chance, right? When you have Dak, when you have that offensive line healthy and playing well, when you have even receivers that without Amari Cooper, 
like CD Lamb, like Amari, like uh, Michael Gallup, right? And when you have guys in the backfield like Ezekiel and Tony Pollard who can get it done, we have a defense that plays really well up front and a secondary that's getting better. And Michael Parsons being an absolute animal, Maybe right? The best defensive player on the planet in right. the next five years. Yeah, that's you fair. Give yourself the opportunity to any given Sunday, if you will, compete. And That's potentially fair. win every game. So I think that this pick here for Dallas, them picking another offensive lineman, it is their best attempt at staying with the status quo. We often look at, okay, it's got to be an upgrade here, upgrade here. Okay, why are you getting rid of Lyle Collins just to bring in Bernard Raymond? Well, unfortunately, probably some of their old cap moves probably has forced their hand a little bit here and there. And they're hoping that Raymond can allow them to contain the status quo, which is be a contender, be favorites in the NFC East. And I think that that's kind of where we are with Dallas at this point. I think my frustration with potentially moving on from Collins is that if you keep him, you could take Tyler Linderbaum with this pick, which I think would be a significantly better pick. You're talking about, at least in the eyes of um, this draft analyst here, I have Linderbaum as the fifth best player in this class, and I have Bernard Raymond. It's not good when you can't find the guy for a long time, but outside the top 30. So I think when you look at it like that, it's just a scenario. I have him 45th. Whoa. Uh, we'll talk about that another day for the offensive line show. But yeah, it's, the Dallas is just in an interesting cap crunch. And I, I think when you have a franchise quarterback like Dak, your point resonates that you're just trying to live another day, compete, and give yourself a chance to play in one of the big games. All right. So 25, the Bills, Trent McDuffie. That is a scheme fit like a tight glove. That is perfect there. Um, I know the Bills will be, we've talked about this with them. They could be looking at wide receiver. They could be looking at pass rusher. I wouldn't be surprised to see them make some kind of big move at pass rusher in free agency or on the trade market, and then McDuffie would fall into place. 26, the Titans offensive line help. Tyler Smith is their kind of guy. Mm -hmm. That is a scheme fit. That is an attitude mentality fit. Mm -hmm. Let's stop right at the freaking Buccaneers, man. 27, Tyler Linderbaum. Before Tom Brady uh, blew up our quiet Sunday evening, I wrote in the doc, people will think this is nuts. But it's not. And that's because you obviously have a great player in Ryan Jensen, whose free agency is very TBD right now. When you could just slot in a, a top five center for the next 10 years, which I think Tyler Linderbaum will be, that puts the Bucks in such a great reload position. And now that Brady is back, this might make even more sense, to be honest with Dude, you. Dude, I... Does Brady being back change this? Let me ask you that. Uh, no, I mean, it doesn't because I think they're still going to lose Ryan Jensen unless Ryan Jensen takes, like, the biggest pay cut ever, yeah. which I don't think was going to be the case even before Brady retired. This pick doesn't change at all with Brady. I mean, especially with Marpet also being retired, like, for now. Uh, with Brady, I don't I, like, all things are possible. So, I, I don't think the pick changes, but I do want to talk about Tyler Linderbaum a little bit. I don't get it, man. I don't either. I don't get it. Go I'd off. Be, I'd be picking Tyler Linderbaum way sooner than this. There's, there are going to be so many really smart draft analysts who have Tyler Linderbaum as a top 15, top 10, maybe even player in this class, and yet all of them are going to mock him somewhere at the back end of the first round, maybe even in the late 20s like we have here. And that's because the NFL, there's just not a lot of buzz on this guy. And I think a lot of NFL teams don't like the fact that his measurables were really short his height, his weight, his arm length, all below the 10th percentile for interior offensive linemen in the NFL, which isn't great, but turn on the freaking tape, man. Go turn on the freaking tape. Yep, it's all there. I, you, you cannot find anyone who has a bad thing to say about Tyler Linderbaum outside of his measurables, which he clearly makes up for. Clearly, he's put out that tape consistently now. So – I think the fact of the matter is he's just going to go later than a lot of people think, which, which kind of blows my mind, especially in this class when there aren't a lot of sure things, when it's not the most loaded class at the top. How is Tyler Linderbaum going this late? So, look, man, I have no idea if he goes this late, but I know I, I, I'm, I I'm letting does. you know now that if, if he's on the board at 27, Tampa's probably sprinting to the table, or at least they should. I've never watched such a dominant prospect or been so excited about a dominant prospect. And literally people I talk to working in the NFL are like a total wet carrot about this guy. And it's not like they don't like Tyler Lindenbaum or It's just, there's nothing there that they're like, this is a rare center or this is a guy that has to go in the top 10. It's wild to me. I feel like this is going to be almost even a boosted Creed Humphrey situation where it's like, this guy's really good. Everybody was like, Creed Humphrey, top 30 player. Then he goes as late as he did, and he was great all year. 
Tyler Linderbaum, top 10, 15 player, going to go at the end of round one. Everyone's like, wow, he was awesome. He was one of the best interior offensive linemen in football, and he's going to be that for a long time. Why did we let this happen? All right, 28, the Green Bay Packers. You had them taking Devin Lloyd. 29, the Miami Dolphins. Brees Hall, my take here is that I think they'll reach on the best offensive lineman available in this spot, knowing Mike McDaniel's need to revamp that group and to get whoever is getting the handoffs a little bit of running room. Maybe they can find a, you know, Kenneth Walker on day two. Um, There's a lot of different packs that actually would fit what they want to do. Even uh, Pierre Strong. I think Miami is that slot at 29 where, and and in this scenario, it's not good, Trevor, to be honest with you. Linderbaum's gone. Tyler Smith is gone. Those are two names that I would connect to them. I don't know if Kennard is the level of athlete they would want in this spot. Penny right. and Raymond are gone. Right. This is a this is not the situation you want to be staring down if you're the Dolphins. Right. And that's kind of that's kind of where I came out with with the mock and the selection with the Dolphins is Dolphins fans are gonna be mad at me for not having an offensive lineman go to them at twenty nine. But good offensive linemen don't really make it to twenty nine. Like, they just one. don't. You can't and I, one. I, I know that you're going to you're going to come back and argue with me and, and name names of guys who went in the second, third, fourth, whatever round and played well in the NFL. Okay, well, how many? What's the percentage there? What other offensive linemen are picked around that range that, that did not work out? It's just offensive line is a premium position. Tackles are the most premium, and you you want to have good guys up front as well on the interior too the good ones go early, especially before number 29. And I think the Dolphins are in trouble if they're not going to trade up because I don't think they're going to be super happy with any of the guys that are left. Now, I like Darian Kennard. I really do. So, like, if they took Darian Kennard at 29, I'd I'd be great with it. I really would. I think that that would be a good pick. I just – it doesn't seem like the NFL is as in on Darian Kennard as I am, which I think that's always been the case. I've always been a little bit higher on Kennard. So, if they pick Kennard, I think it's a great pick for them. I, I really do. But it just doesn't seem like – that's going to be the case. And look, I think Brees Hall is going to be a damn good running back. I really do. The, the only concern I had with him was the long speed. And he really put on a show in Indianapolis with the combine and, and being able to run as fast as he did. So yes, you have to have a good offensive line for the running back behind them to actually maximize their talents. I'm not denying that, but you can still pick the running back and then add the offensive line a little bit later and hopefully in two years, whatever it is, it all comes together and it works out for you. You know, it just, it might not be as pretty as you want it to be in year one, but that's not to say you can't pick Brees Hall and him be really good for you year two, year three, year four of his contract. So that's kind of, that's, that's where I was along that thinking. I'd love for them to pick an offensive lineman just like everybody else would, but not a lot of great options at uh, at number at number twenty or twenty. Can't invent a pick, and I do like Brees Hall. He's a top thirty player for me, so the value is uh, on the money there. All right, thirty. The Chiefs, Lewis Seen. All I wanted to say about this was Lewis Seen deserves to go round one. He is an incredible athlete. He comes down with uh, tenacity coming downhill, running the alley. He is completely adequate enough as a cover safety where he can really do a lot of different things for you and play at an impressive, impressive speed, bring some leadership to your secondary, that for the Chiefs at 30, it's honestly one of the best picks of this entire first round. 31, the Bengals' Kair Elam goes back to the Miami argument. You cannot invent an offensive lineman. I hope the Bengals are very active in free agency in the trade market to not go into their draft with the ba- their backs against the wall at 31 where they're, or, or they have to move up or anything like that. 32, the Lions, N'Kobe Dean, that has been a favorite of ours for a long time and that being said that was the mock draft dude a lot i'm glad this was a scenarios mock draft right for us it's like what if this happens what if this happens and i think we're at the time of year where the reality is a lot of the listeners of the show are either diehards or are now completely caught up on the draft where they know all these players now we're talking about the teams the thought process the landing spots and if you get punched in the mouth right your plan a doesn't work what's the b c and d yeah, and and this is this is the it really is the fun part of mock drafts now because we have, I guess at least I have. I don't want to speak for you. I've had my fill of doing mocks where I would tell you what I would do. We're at the point Me where we, we've even been doing this podcast for about a month and a half, almost two months now, where we've been telling people what we think of prospects. Now it's time to get into the let's 
kind of flex our knowledge a little bit and and really predict where these guys might go. And so there's seasons within draft season, right? And I think that we are now in the season of predictive mocks. And it's fun, man. I think this is going to be the first of many. Uh, I'm excited to get to the end of April. I can't remember. Have you done the Huddle Report mock draft before? I think we've had this conversation. Have you ever done one of those? The Huddle Report mock draft. Yes. So it's a it, it's 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 a mock draft competition. Have you seen this? You haven't seen yes. this? Yes. 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 Didn't Josh Norris like crush last year? Jo- Josh Norris. Josh Norris won last year. But yes. So many big wigs around the industry put their final predictive mock. Oh, to I'm the in test. this year, baby. Let's I, go. I need you to be in, man. Let's I need go. you to be in. I'm because I'm excited for it, man. It's something that I've done for each of the last. Uh, have I done it for four years? Oh, what the hell? Where the hell have I been? Dude, I don't know, man. I don't oh know. God. Look, I'm just, you know. I'm in. I'm, Let's I'm, do look, it. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to brag a little bit, but I am going to brag a little bit. Two out of the last three years, I've been top 10 in the world. Top most, 10 in the world? Yeah, what's up? What's up? Dude, how did I land you as a co-host? Holler at your boy. Is that the top thing on your resume? Or the first thing in your reel? It's, <laughs> it's just like you holding up your, your graded mock draft. <laughs> oh, my God. I still can't get in my head that Tom Brady's back. I'm just like completely – I'm not shocked. I've been waiting for this. I literally made a joke at the beginning of the show that Tom Brady's coming back. But it's really threw a wild wrinkle into our Monday stock exchange. And tomorrow's is going to be – our free agency special. Yep. So this is this is pure mayhem. This is like, this is as close as mayhem as you get for a a draft pod. Besides the actual week of the draft, this week is going to be amazing. Like Connor mentioned, tomorrow's episode we're going through all of the tampering period news that we heard, where teams can finally talk to free agents. So there's going to be a lot of needs for teams changing. So much is going to shoot. Tom Brady came back, man. Who else knows what's going to happen in the next 24 hours? I'm very excited about it. You guys should be too. Me and Connor will be back with you tomorrow to recap all of the changes that we are going to hear and see in the NFL. We'll see you guys then.